Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Has anybody ever seen the movie Karate Kid? You guys know Mr. Miyagi? Mr. Miyagi was the, the wise old sage that taught Daniel how to fight. He was the karate mentor, and he took on a mentee named Daniel. And Daniel came to Mr. Miyagi because he was supposed to be the best. And he wanted to learn from Mr. Miyagi how to fight. And Mr. Miyagi, if my memory serves me correct, the first day that Daniel showed up to learn how to fight, Mr. Miyagi sent him out to wash cars. Remember this? And sometimes those that are wise in the ways that they teach and instruct will use things that seem totally unrelated to where you feel like you're supposed to be going to instruct you on how to get there. So Mr. Miyagi has him painting a fence and has him wax on and wax off. You remember this part of the story, right? Because Mr. Miyagi is teaching him karate moves while he's doing something else. And then at the end, Mr. Miyagi begins to show him where all the wax on, wax off, paint the fence fits in. And then all of it comes together and Daniel understands that the entire time he thought he was just doing meaningless, seemingly unrelated issue or, or tasks to what he actually was asking Mr. Miyagi to do, which was teach him how to fight. He finds out in the end that Mr. Miyagi was teaching him how to fight the whole time. And when it all comes together, it makes sense. And so sometimes when you're walking with God, God will choose as the master teacher to use things that seem completely unrelated to the destination that you think God has you on in order to bring together an understanding and a, an ability in your spirit to step into what he has next for you. In other words, Daniel needed to step onto a mat and fight. And sometimes what we have happen is we ask God because we feel God giving us passion or purpose for something. We ask God to lead us and to guide us in that area. And sometimes it seems completely backwards and completely unconnected to what we feel like God has called us to do. But God sends us off to do a completely different task. Has God ever done that in your life? Have you ever felt God change something so drastically that you're like, this is not even close to what I felt like God has called me to. But we know that hindsight's 2020, amen? And so when we get a little ways down the road, we can look back and realize that every single step along the way was what God intended to build us so we were prepared for our purpose when we got there. In other words, he set you up with all kinds of Miyagi teaching so that whenever you got there, you realized that the struggle was actually the setup for what he had next for you. Someone said amen. amen. 
So I found out that this most prolific individual in scripture, David, that we're talking about here, we watch the story of his life and we get to see all the ups and downs. We don't get to see the Facebook filter. We don't get to see the, the, the Instagram or the, or the, you know, the, the special Snapchat filter where we only show the best and remove all the blemishes. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where you see all the highlights of his life, but you never see the low points. You see every part of David's life. And in seeing every part of David's life, it gives you a story that you can relate to. It tells you that not only are there places where God will take you in high moments, but whenever you're at your lowest moment, he doesn't forsake you. He doesn't walk out on you and he will not leave you or forsake you. Someone can say amen there. Amen. So we find Samuel in scripture coming to anoint a new king and he sneaks off because of the way that Saul acts. He doesn't want Saul to know that he's going to anoint a new king, but God said go. And he told him to go to the house of Jesse, which doesn't make much sense, but he goes to the house of Jesse anyways. And so the king doesn't know about it. In fact, Jesse says, I'm just going to go out and I'm gonna, going to do something completely different than what he actually felt God was calling him to do. And he's, he, tells the, he doesn't tell the king, so the king can't be jealous and the king can't do what some kings do and that's wipe out entire, the entire family that Jesse has. And so Samuel shows up on the scene and, and even Samuel doesn't understand really what God's up to. Because he's searching God's will. And sometimes when you're the man of God and you're searching God's will, you're waiting on God to speak. And what they would do is they would take a horn like this horn right here, which we just happened to find on the side of the road not too long ago. Yeah, we just found it this week on the side of the road. So I think this sermon is appointed by God. I don't know. <laughs> And it's empty. You can see it's empty on the inside. And they would put something on the end and they would cut the tip on this end. And then some scholars say that they would actually put a wax stopper on this end. And the wax stopper, then they would fill with the horn with oil. And they would put something on this end. And so this would be something that Samuel was carrying to anoint a new king. He was carrying what they call an, a horn of oil. And if, if you understand the reference of the horn in scripture, the horn was first used as a shofar in scripture. When they would go into battle, they would blow a horn of shofar to say attack. And if you understand scriptures that whenever you saw them come against Jericho, which was a walled city, the Bible says that they broke pitchers and they blew the horns and the people of Jericho and the walls fell and the people of Jericho were run over by the people of God and, and they were uh, victors. But what you find out here is that whenever Samuel is carrying the horn of oil, they say sometimes that they would place the horn of oil on the head of the person, even with the wax on it. And that God knew whether the wax was supposed to melt or not. And they said that when the max wax would melt, they knew it was God's, some scholars say that was God's honoring of the man of God that was to be anointing and the oil would flow. Can I just talk to you for a minute? about the intelligence of the oil, the intelligence of the Holy Ghost, that when God knows that you're faithful and when God knows that you're willing to sacrifice, that whenever there's something that's powerful in your life, like dedication and hidden prayer, that God knows when the oil should flow, amen? God knows when the anointing, and the oil of the scriptures represented the anointing of God, so he filled this thing with oil, oil much like this here, and he went out to Jesse's house, and he didn't know what was going on, but maybe he thought that there was that there was something that um, 
that, that looked like a king or someone that looked like a king. And so he, he goes to Jesse's first son and he's like, this is a kingly man. He looks like a king. And I, he goes to anoint him and the spirit says, no, don't do it. Because God's not looking for somebody that looks like a king. He's looking for somebody that acts like a king. And so he's reaching for somebody different. And, and so the, the, the prophet gets done, goes through all of the family members. And a couple times he's, he's kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And suddenly he realizes there must be another son. And so he says to Jesse, is this all your children? And you know the story as well as I do. They didn't invite David because they didn't think David was kingly enough. They didn't think for sure David wouldn't be chosen. And so all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I have one other son, but he's out in the pasture taking care of the sheep. He's only good for sheep tending. <laughs> but they said, but Samuel said, go get him and we will not sit down until the king comes. I want you to know that that's the position of the church, that we shouldn't be sitting down until the king comes. The king is coming back, amen. Jesus is returning for his church. And whenever there's an anointed people or an anointing to, to be had, that the church itself must not become lackadaisical or lazy in any way. We must not sit down on the presence of God or the anointing of God. We must stay standing in our spirit, stay standing in our passion so that whenever the king does show up, he finds us waiting and ready for him. Somebody said amen there. And so Samuel waits for just David to show up, and here comes David in, smelling like sheep, maybe having sheep dung on his shoes. We don't even know, but he's out in the field. You know the story as well as I do, that he comes in, maybe a little bit sunburnt, and, and David actually stands before Samuel, and the Lord says, behold, the anointing the anointed of the Lord, and he anoints him with that oil, and that whole horn of oil empties out onto David in his garments. God anoints him as a shepherd to be a king. I want you to know that whenever God wants you to be promoted, he'll find you no matter where you are. When God wants you to rise up or go to the next level, he will come and find you. He will send for you. And so God finds a man in a field. When he finds David, he doesn't find David because he's qualified to be a king. He has nothing set up. He has, no, he has no background as a king. He has no training as a king. He has no ability to be a king. But what, one thing that is sure about David is he's a worshiper. The one thing you will find is God will go and find somebody in a field, someone that's not expected to be a leader, someone's not expected to do great things for God, but God will go find them and pull them out of places you wouldn't expect God to pull them out of. He'll pull them from under a bridge. He'll pull them from an addiction. He'll pull them from a life of, that's an absolute mess and that everybody would say they don't have the pedigree, they don't have any kind of aristocracy, they have nothing that, that you would point at and say they have a reason to be where they are but God will go find somebody in a field if he can find them as a worshiper. The God that I know, the God that I serve is a God who celebrates worshipers. And when God found David, he knew that he found a man after his own heart because he said, if I can get a man that will worship me with all his heart, if he'll make songs to me and write poetry to me and his heart is after me, then I can use a man like that because he's designed and directed by his love for me. I want you to know that God's love is so important in our life that it can literally change our destination. Can I share with you a personal story? I've had a lot of emotional overload this week. Maybe you have too. Maybe this will help you. But about 
four weeks ago, I told the leadership team here that I wasn't going to start a business. I was feeling like this business idea was coming up. And I have always been like one of those people that likes to look for business opportunities. I'm just that kind of person. My brain works that way. My dad was an entrepreneur. As early as I can remember, I wanted to be like my father and be a boss. And it wasn't that I wanted to be a boss. It's just that's what made sense to me. Um, so about four weeks ago, I was praying, and we were going into our leadership course seven meeting, and the Lord told me, if you will lay down anything that's outside of what you're doing, I will more than double the church in a matter of two years. If you will walk away from any other business ventures and just do what you're doing right now. And I was like, but I want to. <laughs> you know that one thing, that thing in your heart that you just, you want to go after? And I was just like, I just, I want, and so I had to lay down that thing that I've always wanted to do. And, and it was a dream for me that felt like it got crushed, but I didn't know what was going on. And the starting of that business, the intentions were pure. The motives were right. It was starting a business so I didn't have to travel in the work I'm doing now, where I'm traveling almost every week around the United States doing what I'm doing, but I'm not here every single week to be in life group or to encourage people or to build a church. And so the church attendance goes up when I'm here, and when I'm traveling a lot for work, it goes down. And the church attendance goes up, and we've been riding this roller coaster for quite a while now, and I'm tired of this roller coaster. I want a new roller coaster. I want a different Six Flags, okay? So I was like, okay, so I'll start a business where I can stay home and I can build a church, and we won't see so much attendance rise and fall. And I was like, God, you know, I'm doing this for a good reason. And God said, are you building the church, or do I build my church? And I was like, I, you build your church. Your ways are higher than my ways, thoughts higher than my thoughts. And he's like, if you do this, I will honor it. And so I told the leadership, I said, I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. I am not going to try to start any new businesses. I don't know how long I have to travel, but I'm, we're going to figure this out. God's going to help us. And God told me this, and I believe he's going to do it. And this week, when I got back from my last job, I was brought into the office, and they said, we are needing to move you. You don't need to travel anymore. We're going to move you into a management position. You're now going to be manager over client services, and you're not going to travel again unless we desperately need you. And that was four weeks ago the Lord told me that. And now today, I am, specific, I am better paid than I was then, and I'm staying home so that I can build the church. That's what God will do if you just let his anointing work, amen? Not because I'm something special, but because I heard from God and I just trusted his word and I trusted and believed that he was gonna do it and then he did it just like he said he would. I didn't know that was gonna happen, but anybody trust the anointing of God? Anybody believe that when God says something, he can do it? How many know that God is a God of promise, amen? He's not just a God of peace and a God of joy, but he's a God of promise and he can make his promises come to pass. And so we see David in several places, and I want to just share with you a few things, and I'll be done. But I want you to know that we celebrate the anointing that I just spoke to you about in David's life. We're like, wow, that's amazing. God can take the lowest and put him in the palace. What a great story of rags to riches where God takes somebody, picks them up, cleans them up, and puts them in a place where they shouldn't have been, but they are there only because God's hand is upon them. That's a wonderful testimony of the anointing of God. But did you know that David had two other anointings? The scripture that I read to you is right after David's third anointing. 
His second anointing was the anointing that was given to him whenever he was king over a split kingdom in Israel, and that was Judah. And Judah anointed him. That anointing represented a priestly anointing. His first anointing from, from Samuel was a prophetic anointing. The reason why I know it was a prophetic anointing, meaning it was anointing for the future, was because as soon as he got anointed king, he went back to keeping sheep. Isn't it funny? It tells me one thing. It tells me that God can anoint you and you can still go back to doing what you were doing, but God still has a plan at work. That he initiates some things in some places, but he already lets you know that you're going somewhere else or God's going to do something greater in your life. And so then when God chooses to anoint you with the first anointing, it's often a prophetic anointing. And I feel like that I'm coming here today to talk to somebody about a third anointing. And that third anointing is the, thir- the anointing that we see happened just before the scripture that I read to you, and that is a kingly anointing. You have to understand that whenever the kingdom came back together for David, and he was already king over Judah, but when the kingdom came back together and decided you will be our king, they anointed him a third time. All of the leaders of Israel said you will be the king over all of Israel. And then when his enemies heard about it, they all came together. Did you know that when the enemies gathered all against him, It was the same enemy he'd been fighting since he was a boy. Sometimes whenever you get a second or third anointing, the same enemies that you had when you were young will rise up against you again and try to take you out. But I want you to hear me. The God that gave you victory the first time in your first anointing and the God that gave you victory in your second anointing will be the same God that gives you the dominion of a third anointing. And I'm preaching to a church because I feel like God told me because I had a great sermon prepared for today. It was a wonderful sermon that had a lot to do with our hospitality church um, series, but I felt like God talked to me and I was I was tearing up and I was praying in my kitchen at one in the morning and I, I was like, God, I have this already. I'd like to just go to bed, but God doesn't care about my rest last night because he wanted me to tell the church that he is initiating a third anointing over this church, a dominion anointing, a powerful anointing, a kingly anointing, an authority anointing that has an anointing to break the yoke of bondage, not just an initial anointing saying you are going to be kings and priests in the kingdom and there's going to be great salvation, not just a secondary anointing that gives us power over certain enemies, but this is going to be a third anointing where all of the enemies of God will know that we are given power and authority in the kingdom of heaven and in earth, amen, that there's power released by God in every anointing is a powerful anointing, not just a new birth experience, not just having repentance and water baptism and things that we so love and preach, but living alive in Jesus Christ. That anointings were representation of the, of the power of God being real in our lives. And that the least common denominator in all of these different anointings is whether you're a worshiper or not. Because if you can't, find your praise, you may not find your promotion. God is looking to promote us, but he wants to know, are we a people of praise? If you'd pull up the rest of that chapter for me, I'd appreciate it. I want to show you something in the scripture. It's working down from 19 all the way down. I'm just going to walk through it real quick and let everybody see what I'm talking about. So Samuel goes home with an empty horn of oil. 
I wonder if maybe he gave that horn to, to David and David put it on a shelf somewhere. You know how people do. He put it on a shelf saying, hey, I've been anointed to be king, but I'm not king yet. But David, when he was anointed, the third anointing, the kingly anointing, the anointing of authority, this is what happens when you get a third anointing in a church. This anointing is what God gives us. Go on to the next verse, if you would. Verse 21 is actually where I want to go. David burned all the images of the Philistines after he conquered them. Go to verse um, 20. I'm sorry, maybe it's verse 20. I apologize. And David came to Belperazim. That's a weird name. David came to Belperazim, and David smote them there and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the branch of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Belperazim. If you look in the original Hebrew, the words Belperazim actually translates to the owner of the breakthrough. The owner of the breakthrough. In other words, when there's a third anointing that comes on your life, you become owner of breakthroughs in your life. You actually have the authority to call a breakthrough forth out of your life. In other words, what I'm telling you, and I know you feel the Holy Ghost because some of you have a confirmation in your spirit right now. When there was a moment that God anointed you with a dominion and a power over something, you knew it was a kingly anointing because it's connected to the king, amen? That's the only reason why you had the dominion, but you knew that if you took dominion in the name of Jesus, that there was a power that was released and you had ownership. If I walk out to my car right now and pull the title out of my glove box, which I don't keep in my glove box, so don't try to steal my car. I'm just kidding. But if I pulled my title, you could look at the owner's title and it would display all of the different aspects of the vehicle. And then it would say the owner and it would list my name because I'm the rightful owner. I don't have a payment on that car. I don't have anybody coming and saying we have a right to that car or a lien on that car. That car belongs to Jodon Calhoun. And the reason why is because I paid it off. I own it. And a third anointing on a church and a third anointing in your life, just like David had, is available in our lives because of what God did for us on Calvary. But that also is a wonderful understanding that when God shows up with a third anointing, he not only shows up with power, but he beats your enemies for you. He goes before you and he overwhelms that which is trying to overwhelm you. Amen man. And in that fight, you realize that this is a place where I have not been yet here before. I, I don't know if I can really communicate this the way that I want to, but it's just like having that title in your back pocket saying, I am the owner of a breakthrough. I am the one who can stand up and say, no, my kids aren't walking out on God. No, my family will not be cold to the things of God. No, we will be faithful to the house of God. You can stand up and be the owner of your own breakthrough and call it a place, Biel Parisim, is what he called it because he was saying that now I am in charge of breakthroughs in my life. God has given me authority to walk in places I had not gone before. And you have to understand that this is a very special moment in the anointing of David's life because David had conquered many things. He had beaten Goliath. And if you know the story of David and Goliath, you know well that David just went down to take lunch to his brothers, amen? 
But it wasn't about the lunch, was it? Because he was so passionate that there was a man coming against the people of God. He said, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason to fight? He was passionate. And did you know that he couldn't kill his giant without having a passion? Did you know that passion is often permission from God? That when you are passionate about something, you don't have to prove to anybody why there's a reason that it needs to be done. You'll say, here I am, send me, Lord. Here I am, I will do it. If you don't have a passion for something, God is not calling that your giant, but you will have giants that God wants you to conquer. And nobody else needs to see why you're fighting that giant. Nobody else needs to know why that giant has come to your life. But because you have a passion, you can't kill something you don't care about about. I want you to know that. You will not conquer something without a caring heart and a passion for it. You will not raise your kids in a powerful way. You will not live a God-like life if you do not have a passion for it. Just because somebody else seems cold doesn't mean you're not the owner of your own breakthrough. Just because somebody else doesn't find value in what you are, their barometer doesn't determine the value of what you're going after in God. The things that you're going after or because God put inside of your heart a passion for those things and you can raise a troubled child you can raise a troubled teen you can raise up somebody that you wouldn't even be able to do without God's help and others can look at you and go how do you even do that why is that even worth it and you can say because God gave it to me to do and David was practicing a long time with a sling before he got to Goliath he killed a lion and a bear. God had set him up. God had staged him through things that came, about, uh, that came after him. And you don't know what it's like to have a fight rise up with you until something roars at you enough to, to raise a passion in you, to take it on and to kill it and to slay it and to be a conqueror. You don't know what it's like to not know the power of God that can show up whenever you have a passion for something. You guys know the stories of my life, but some of you don't, and I, I'm okay with that. But I want you to know that my mother prayed over our lives, my brother and I, and we're both privileged to preach in pulpits today because of the prayers of a mother who knew how to slay giants who knew how to go after what God wanted for her children. And mom, you may not know how to raise, or dad, you may not know how to reach out to that troubled teen, but if you will go to God in prayer, if you will get a passion in your heart for the things of God, and if you will say, I have a third anointing in my life, I'm not just anointed in salvation, I'm not just anointed in the Holy Ghost, I'm not just anointed to walk in the dominion of God, that wherever I put my feet, I can take authority by the name of Jesus. I'm not just anointed just as a king, but I'm also anointed as the owner, the rightful owner of a breakthrough in any situation. If I see somebody turning their back on God, I can go to my closet of prayer and say, I take authority in the name of Jesus and I command a breakthrough in their life. I'm preaching real good right now and my voice is going to go out, but I don't even care because I'm this excited about praying down a breakthrough in somebody's life. You need change more than you know. You can sit there and pretend like God hasn't called your number, but God will take you to a place like David where he staged him into kingly authority and you will realize that when you invest yourself wholeheartedly in God's kingdom, he will give you dominion. 
and he will give you power. The anointing means that you're never stuck and you're always in change. That's what anointing by God means. So it helps you conquer your enemies. A third anointing helps you conquer your enemies. And just so you know, all the Philistines came against David. The final battle. You know, the level of your anointing is always measured by the level of your attack. When you don't know how much God is doing in your life, just look at how much battle you have in your life. Because your enemy often knows before you do sometimes where God has taken you. Sometimes your enemy is more afraid of the anointing in your life than you even know. And God will use sometimes the battle to bring you into the place where he wants you to be. The struggle is not to be celebrated when you're going through it. Surely not. We don't like going through difficult times. But I can guarantee you this. The struggle is the stage that God wants to bring you into. Sometimes the stage of your life where God wants to take you to, you're not ready for. And so, sometimes you're ready, but the stage isn't prepared. So you're on wait because God is setting you up and he's setting up what's prepared for you. And even if you don't understand why you're going through it, if you trust the God that's getting you there, yes. the journey will be celebrated even when it's difficult. Yes. And so the struggle of David's life is a cherished struggle, one that we see ego and we see emotion dealt with. His ego brought him to a place where he's watching live pornography on a rooftop as Bathsheba is bathing, and he says, I want that. And he takes it and then has to have his, her husband murdered because he be, she becomes pregnant and with child. This is a place where his ego took him. I'm a king now. I have the right. Even though you have the right, you shouldn't do it. Just because you're right doesn't mean you're right. Amen. You have to make sure you check in with God. Is this a thing that God wants me to do? His ego took him to a place where he shouldn't have been, but also he couldn't be led by his emotions. Your emotions can take you to a place where you are outside of the will of God. I don't feel like it. I'm just not happy enough. I don't know that I'm, I, I'm, I'm feeling like I want to do this. Sometimes your emotions can steer you to an off-ramp that was never meant to be in your life. You have to learn how to live for God under anointing, not driven by your ego or driven by your emotions. Amen? Emotions will tell you and feelings will lie to you and tell you it's not working when really God is working behind the scenes the whole time. All this life, look at all this time you put into the church. Look at all the effort that you've invested and yet what did it come to? Your emotions can tell you that. But guess what? God is working regardless of whether you believe he is or not. God is doing something with your heart and that future anointing. If you trust God, that anointing oil will work. I know it will work. I'm an example of it. You don't think I didn't want to give up a few times, close the book, walk out the back door and say, get another pastor. They say that pastors typically resign on Monday mornings every week. <laughs> 
because you're trying to build a church with words from God's word and some people don't even understand the authority of God's word and yet you're trying to change behavior and habits and lifestyles all with a microphone. I'm trying to build people every single Sunday out of the places that their habits have put them and out of the places their emotion has taken them and out of the places their ego has brought them possibly and I'm trying to point them back to the anointing oil of God and say this still works. This still works. And 2018, the anointing of God still works. It is still effective, even in a culture that will not embrace God, even in a culture that doesn't even know what they are and who they are. Guess what? We still know in God why we are. We are the people of God, the people of his name, the people of authority, and we have a Father in heaven and a God to serve. And he's given us authority. I can't get that thing to stay on there. You probably noticed this entire sermon. And it's because of my ADD that I'm distracted by it. <laughs> but God still works in mysterious ways. Would you stand with me? I've tried to bring this message the best I can with the time I had to prepare it. And I hope you can understand that I feel like I'm speaking to somebody who's had their emotions overwhelm them. I feel like I'm speaking to somebody that said, I deserve better, but I didn't get it yet. And that ego maybe has been talking. I've worked so hard at a nominal job for so long. Why haven't I had a promotion? Why haven't I had blessings yet? I've been fasting and praying or I've been tithing regularly and we still have some financial struggles. Why hasn't it worked? I want you to know that God has come to give you a third anointing. The anointing of power over everything in your life. The anointing of power over every childhood enemy. Every voice of insecurity. I speak to insecurity in somebody's life right now. You're going to have to look in the mirror and say, is this really happening after today? Because you will not look like where God's going to take you. Has anybody ever been found in the field? I'm looking for somebody that God's going to take to a new place and you're going to go, how did I get here? How did God open this door for me? And the whole time, it wasn't just a momentary thing. It's not just gonna happen just this week. He's been working on it all your life. He let love come and love go. He let people walk in and out of your life that you thought were gonna stay. All of those things were meant to build you to who you are right now so you're ready to receive a third anointing in God. David had to live through all those battles. You're gonna stop resisting the fight today because it was David's Goliath that took him to the palace. David's promotion came from a fight. You're gonna stop running from all the fights in your life. You're going to stop leading, leading yourself away from things that are difficult. And today I'm praying an anointing, a third anointing on your life. I know it's on this church. God woke me up last night, kept me up for this reason. If, if he's going to keep me up, he's already said it's done. 
He's going to give a prophetic anointing. He's going to give a priestly anointing. Prophetic is for future. Priestly anointing is for right now. And a kingly anointing is for authority. I believe that God is doing something right now in somebody's heart. It's going to affect next week. It's going to affect right now. It's going to affect next week. And it's going to take authority over everything in your past. Right now, would you close your eyes and just pray with me? There's somebody that needed this word. I don't know who it's for, but I've done my best to receive and deliver it. Lord God, I pray the download takes place right now in the name of Jesus that somebody who's been overwhelmed this week, somebody who's had a lot of emotion or a lot of strain in their life, God. I pray against stress in the name of Jesus. I ask right now, God, that you'd release an authority of a third anointing in somebody's life and that you'd let power work and let the authority flow. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.